This is Bespoke, a podcast exploring the making of bespoke objects and experiences. Devised and hosted by Adriana Pace-Kent. Hi, I'm Adriana, the founder of Woven Spaces, a creative lab that explores how to build better and shape meaningful places. The unique object or experience has always had a powerful appeal, but the process of bespoke commissioning still remains shrouded in mystery. That's why I started Bespoke, a podcast inspired by the designers and makers who create something unique and the people who commission them. Join me as I meet designers, makers, brokers and their clients, find out how commissioning really works and discover the secrets of this very special relationship. This is Bespoke. Born in Nairobi, trained in Milan, based in London, Shiro Mashiri is truly a global citizen. She set up her own architectural practice just over 20 years ago, working on multi-million dollar projects with international clients before establishing the Gallery Soshiro in the Merlebone district of central London. Described as a 360-degree cultural hub, founded on the principles of conversation and collaboration, Soshiro presents art, design and craft from all over the world, celebrating the interpersonal relationships between designers, makers and commissioning patrons. Shiro's many roles include creative director, curator and broker, and it's that last word, broker, that stands out for me in the commissioning context. I guess my first question is really, what has drawn you to bespoke objects and experiences in the first place? Um, In a nutshell, it's a human side that comes out so brilliantly. Um, The relationships that are built and how we learn about each other as a community. So I think that is a big um, draw to to bespoke, um, discovering, learning, and joining together to create something with which has with it that amazing human story. As a designer, when you create from your own belief, from internal inspiration, what does that process look like? Is it different from when you're working to a client brief? Yes, it's different in in one one way that I think it stands out is the um, risk that I take. I take more risks when I'm uh, doing something, a project or commissioning a piece for myself. And um, when it's for a client, I take the role of managing um, expectations on both sides and making sure that I make the process as visible um, as possible in terms of what they're going to go through, what to expect, etc. Um, so those are, I think, is a distinct difference between um, commissioning a piece for myself as opposed to on behalf of a client. When um, people commission, what patterns do you see in terms of what drives them to commission? Is it more likely to be a specific technical need or frustration? Or do you find it's more of an emotional connection with the maker and their work? I think it's mostly, it's different things equally balanced. Sometimes it's a technical problem that we are trying to solve. Um, sometimes it's a, a practical problem and sometimes it's uh, somebody wanting to get involved with a certain art form in some way but what's beautiful about all three um, reasons that drives people to commission is that they all have to go through that human element of learning the art form 
of learning how to solve technical problems from a human um, experience and drawing on everyone working together to resolve something and doing something for the first time that's not been done before. Um, so I think the stories that emerge and the joy that then subsequently, when it's successful, um, I think is what, uh, what, 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 what's important, irrelevant of what drives people to commission. What do you think are the current barriers to people commissioning? What's stopping people, um, both from a practical or perhaps a more kind of psychological or cultural perspective? I think from a, um, the barriers from a psychological is, you know, young people find it, feel that they are not in a position to commission. It's something that comes with time, with age or with whatever. Um, I think that they feel it's something that you explore when you're old, <laughs> when you have so much time and, you know, it's not a, you're bored and you're bored with other exciting things to do. Um, and I think from designers' perspective, the barriers that they face is trying to manage what the outcomes will be and what the challenges would be in terms of cost, timings, how will it look ultimately, all those things are not, are, you know, somewhat risks that you have to be willing to take. And there are barriers because if you can find another solution that is much more straightforward, you then go for that. And unfortunately, in this situation, creative voices are then not in the conversation and they're not the first option or the easy option um, to choose. And so how do you help bring those creative voices into, into people's lives and to inspire more people to connect with a different practice and a different way of looking at, at shaping the objects that we live with? Um, I try to do that a lot through this space here. So we have um, creatives come here and they have direct conversations with the clients and sometimes learning that going through commissioning means um, working with this person who is amazing and so inspired and is maybe talking about a community, um, that makes them willing to take the risk. Um, so I think getting them together and showing their work and using uh, our collections as examples of how different creatives can create something that is you know, what you'd like. Uh, um, so I think we use our collections as space, conversations, activations, um, like we're going to be doing in the near future, um, where we're going to have some um, creative come in here and set up a bit of a workshop to demonstrate what goes through their work, what drives them, to get that emotional connection. Mm -hmm. um, so I think uh, using those tools as a way of, of bridging those gaps and, and and getting people to connect and, you know, consider commissioning. And once someone has come to you and said, I'd like to commission and I'd like to work with you and I'd like to work with, you, you know, the, the makers that you have relationships with, how do you help that person to form brief? Um, yeah, um, I mean, I love that question for many reasons because the brief is where everything stems from. It's where the challenges and it's where everyone pushes their boundaries um, so we try and get them to look internally at what really makes them happy what they're drawn to um, I think when somebody comes to us with 
a picture of something and once exactly that made, it's a very disappointing um, starting point. And therefore, trying to help them develop a brief by looking internally and trying to see what the kind of conversations with the um, artisan who, you know, shows very... Um, who responds in a very positive way to what they're being asked to do, and maybe satisfactory smile for what they might engage with. All of that became, all of that um, becomes, uh, um, that's how we help them develop the brief, putting them in front of the artisan and showing them and helping them discover what actually they want. And then to take more risk and also to be a little bit more explorative. How do you help um, your clients to secure the best possible outcome? Is it by being absent and trusting the process? Or is it better for them to be involved intimately in what's going on? How do you manage that, that relationship? I think everybody is different. Every client is different. And I try to see where their interests are, what they know about more. Um, so if you're an engineer, for example, in a different part uh, and you want to commission a lighting, then, you know, you can draw them in on the technicalities of the lighting or the challenges about how it's going to be positioned, because then they take ownership in that. Um, so I try to look for what, what, what they know, what they like, and then try to match that up to what, what, how those aspects can inform what we're trying to make in the brief and that way they're able to more confidently shape what happens because it's they're coming from a point of which they have um, a certain um, knowledge about. Because I imagine that's that can often be one of the barriers is this uh, sense of well I don't understand the process so how can I really connect with it and it, I guess it's building confidence. It's building confidence and we use tools like you know conventional tools like the um uh, visuals to get them to see the if they feel very um, to see what it what the object will actually look like we can do that today and when you do that and you see both sides we have that kind of satisfactory look that they can make this happen um, then it's it's then you 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 find that and you know at that point the client might want to get involved from in some certain way. Um, so losing whatever tools we can to draw them into the conversation where their strengths lie so that they feel comfortable uh, and they also take ownership ultimately of the piece. I guess that's the beauty of bespoke objects is the stories that lie within them, both from the people who make them and the people who commission them and that relationship that it is kind of captured in, yeah. in an object or an experience. The real joy is to see a client talking um, about the commissioned piece like it's something they actually drove and managed and brought together with a lot of joy and confidence and you can see that they might want to do that again. So that ownership is very important and the stories that they can tell. Um, sometimes I say when you see a table, you don't see the table, you see all of the stories that brought that table about. And so you have a very different view of the piece that you have in front of you. Um, that's the goal. What do you think might open up the process of commissioning to younger, more diverse audiences? I think the most, uh, the easiest way to do this is by case studies and examples. I'm really keen to be able to have some young person uh, go through that process and then have them tell the story 
of their experience. That will be the fastest way to get as many of them to to, to engage in the commissioning process. Um, also laying out what they're scared about, you know, they're scared about uh, costs, they're scared about what it might lead to and, um, and, that, and that sort of thing. So trying to alleviate some elements of those aspects um, would be good. So I think um, we invite them here, many of them, they respond very vibrantly. And I think it's managing to take it to the next step with one or two or three and then telling the stories. I think that will be good too. And anyone else who has stories of young people commissioning, sharing those will be a great way of having more people want to get involved in commissioning. I can also touch on um, how traditionally commissioning came about when people were walking around their neighbourhoods and they got to know the local carpenter, they got to know the local metal worker, and therefore getting them to make something was not but uh, wasn't any unusual step for them because they were there. But today um, we don't have that connection with the artisan. We live in the city and therefore um, being able to um, connect those two uh, to make the contemporary heirlooms, which actually respond to what new um uh, young people want they, they're trying to step away from the throwery culture and how do you do that is by one way of doing that is by commissioning pieces um, that you can live with and keep with you for a long time and what inspired you to create this fabulous cultural hub um, I was really inspired by um, so many things that were happening around me in my work I could see the yearning of the artisans to do something that was contemporarily relevant and spoke to new audiences. And I could see young people keen to know about making and spend and and learn about and want to know the stories behind the making. And also the need for the uh, people who are deprived of time because they work late hours and they cannot manage to stroll down the workshop in, in next to their country home or something, but they want to take part in the conversation. So bringing it to them here and making them see and take part um, in and bringing those two together, the very keen makers and talented makers and the very um, engaged and interested uh, um culture people here in London and having them connect, that's really what drove me to, to do. I felt those two demographics have to meet. Mm -hmm. Those two, are, they have to engage with each other and um, we'll be the conduit for that and try and make sure that um, great things happen, great stories are told and see where it goes. And with the work that you do here, you bring lots of indigenous craftsmen and makers together with potentially European fabricators and contemporary artists um, to create a different kind of experience or object. Um, what role do you think cultural heritage plays in commissioning? How have you been able to bridge people's understanding of their own cultural perspective and how they can engage with that of a specific Indigenous maker? Well, I think um, because the new person commissioning is cross-cultural in London, especially in Malibu, 
they have experienced different cultures and some of them belong to different cultures. Mm-hmm. And having to have different cultures meet each other, um, different creatives meet each other through their creative work and admire each other's ability and heritage and having to combine that into one object, I found was a very beautiful way of introducing different cultures together through their strength and um and, and, and through their creativity. And so when you when they see those different creative cultures creating something and you come in as somebody with a different cross-cultural background or influence or having experienced it, you relate to it. You relate to that in a very different way. Uh, very, uh, um, there's lots of points to connect yeah. with the objects. Um, so we we hope to be even more dynamic in how we bring different creatives together, um, like um, you know the mosaic story of, of heritage of a, a part of Italy being um, working on somebody working with an artist from Cuba and presenting it to um, a young um, collector from let's say. South Africa, you know, that they all find that they can connect with the objects because it is really um, welcoming, liberating, cross-cultural, you, you know, in, you feel at home engaging with the object, you feel part of it in some way. There's an invitation to connect yes. and there's resonance, I think, and that's what's very palpable about the space that you've created and the commissions that you are able to show within that space um, to inspire others to see the opportunity to have those very magical, creative conversations and opportunities for new ideas and connection. Um, What are the key things you've learned from your experience of brokering commissions? Um, I've learned that there are barriers to be broken that are really genuine barriers, and I believe they can be broken. And I guess... um, my challenge is how do I make them, how do I break them down so that we have a fluid process of commissioning and we see it not as something that's extraordinary to do, but something that we can do when we think of doing something in our homes where, or getting something done. We, we don't see commissioning as far-reaching, but something that we can. So trying to communicate how, by example, by... Um, talking about it by streamlining, you know, incorporating some processes that, you know, commissioning can make, can take advantage of um, and using all the tools we have to make sure to alleviate any anxiety and enable these creative voices who as well we want to encourage to take on commissions and bigger commissions and scale them up and also step away from their comfort zone a little bit and so all sides need to, um, we feel we uh, we need to communicate to them, we need to bring them together and we need to make it, as I said, as fluid a process as possible. Mm, to weave it into our everyday life. Yeah. So that's this idea of how do we consume better. Yeah, not to forget the beautiful stories that you're going to keep forever beyond the life of this piece, the experience you're going to get and what that might lead to. And who, what that might um, encourage other people to do. So I think the impact of the commissioning process is long-lived and endless. And um, I think 
you know, seeing how it can be done more is what we, we're here to do. What has been your favourite commission that you've either facilitated or that you've been part of making? I think the my favourite has been part of the ones that I've done because they've been quite challenging and they have made me more confident in being able to propose more solutions. Um, so I think the... Um, my, the, the, if I would say the principal pieces, uh, like the uh, the collector, which has a mosaic piece, which had some uh, engineering that we did not know would be able to work as as it should. We had this, you know, seventy kilo shelf that had to go in and out and look after something that's a piece of art. So I think that was when I saw it in the end. I was always wondering, will this pull through? <laughs> But the enthusiasm for everybody, including those who are trying to make the components for the mechanisms, they got so into it that I just had to keep going. And uh, so that that has been to me um, to see it come to an end and look beautiful and people like it as a, was one of a very um, exciting journey. But I guess the rewarding thing is that you, whenever you see that object, you remember the incredible, sometimes unnerving, but ultimately rewarding journey that you all went on to to, to kind of deliver this phenomenal final yeah. piece. I think it was uh, the, one of the most ambitious pieces that I, I tried to go through and do. And for me, it just tells me that with all the energy around, as I said at the beginning, of the creatives, everyone embraces it with open arms. Everyone wants it to work. If you make that process and understand the challenges of each individual part, everyone wants to be part of it. And it's an extraordinary journey that everyone should experience. Well, thank you, Shira. It's been wonderful to talk to you. And um, I can't wait to see the new projects that emerge from your fabulous hub. So thank you again for sharing your insight today. Thank you, Andrea. It's been wonderful uh, speaking with you. This is Bespoke. So look out for the next episode of Bespoke. In the meantime, make sure to subscribe to the show and connect with us through our website, wavenvoices.co.uk and Instagram at Bespoke. We'd love to hear from you. So for now, it's goodbye from me, Adriana Pace-Kent. And as ever, a massive thank you to all my guests. Bespoke is a Woven Voices production. Find out more at wovenvoices.co.uk. Brought to you by Woven Spaces, shaping meaningful places online and on site. Audio production by The Boy in the Corner. <laughs>